All right, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we are chatting with Lisa, who is the author of We Well Being, also the co-founder of We Well Being and a faculty member at the Center for Mindfulness Studies, where she develops mindfulness-based programs and trains healthcare practitioners and educators. Her PhD dissertation in clinical psychology focused on mental health care for underserved and marginalized populations. Lisa has taught and practiced across North America, Asia, and Africa. And I have to say, it's just such a beautiful, bright ray of energy every time we, we connect. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's going to be fun because you're really working on some awesome initiatives, some much needed uh, tools and practices and education, obviously now more than ever, but uh, something that is useful essentially forever. And, and there's really no downside to, to your work uh, in, my, in my perspective. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that. But before we do that, like all guests, same question to start off the show is to just to really unpack, um, you know, who you are as a human. So who are you, Lisa? Well, that is a, a great question. <laughs> um, so certainly uh, someone who's, who feels incredibly grateful to be able to work in, in a space where, you know, going upstream, looking at how to promote mental health and well-being. Um, you know, part of the work that I do is really focusing on intervention and treatment for mental health issues. But so rarely and for the first time, um, in, in this We Wellbeing initiative, have I had the opportunity to really go upstream and look at, well, how can we actually promote well-being and prevent mental health issues just to the extent that's possible or, you know, increase help seeking and, and resources when we do need support. So that is something that brings me great joy. Um, you know, I am true and true. Family is, is the most important and so blessed to have a um, a three-year-old, uh, and expecting another little one soon. Ooh, congratulations. Yeah, thank amazing. you. Thank you. And how did, how did mindfulness studies and wellness and mental health, like, how did that come about in your world or why devote, you know, the majority of your time to this space? One of the things that um, my clinical training taught me is really the, the value of, self-care and, you know, preventing my own um, burnout or compassion fatigue as I worked with individuals. And so I remember I was working in East Harlem in an alternative to incarceration program, mostly for women uh, who had experienced, you know, significant trauma in their lives. And I, I remember thinking, you know, I, I want to be able to sustain um, a career in this field and, and really be as helpful as possible. So developing my own self-practice, um, mindfulness became a really, really helpful tool, um, you know, to, to really take care of myself as I uh, worked with other people. Uh, so originally got into it um, at that time in, in graduate school. Okay. It's interesting because that you know, now I think there's more conversation now about this where, you know, you have to put your 
essentially put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. But it, it, it you know, there, there's still a lot of work we need to do on that messaging, but definitely even a few years ago, it really wasn't the case. So I'm curious at that time in your life, like where, where were you gathering different practices and what kind of things did you have for your, for your own well-being at that time? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so professionally, I was um, reading. So one of my professors, um, where I was studying, gave me a book uh, that uh, Dr. Zindel Siegel wrote on mindfulness based cognitive therapy. And she's like, this Mm. is the best. (laughs) And so I, you know, read it so fast and um, learned about the Center for Mindfulness Studies in Toronto and and the great work that we were they were doing and what really um, what really uh, pulled me to their work as well is how they were um, adapting mindfulness based uh, programs and interventions for marginalized communities and the frontline workers who serve them. Uh, so I originally started there as a volunteer as a graduate student. Uh, and just loved the the community based mental health work that um, I was uh, learning all about and and supporting. Interesting. It's always interesting to see how it all all begins, given you know knowing what you're doing now. Yes, yes. Well, and then I'll say personally, at the same time, I had um, recently lost my sister to an eating mm-hmm. disorder, and um, you know, was reading a lot of uh, Pema Chodron uh, books and and found mindfulness really personally helpful as well in in dealing with grief. Yeah, of course. Sorry to to hear that, and thanks for sharing that. When it comes to your work right now with We, maybe we should just just for the listeners who may not know about We, um, even though We reaches something like I think I I've got in my notes here four point three million young people. Uh, including 16,000 schools around the world. So it's it's obviously not a small uh, mission or organization, but just for, for people that may not know about WE, would you mind just giving a bit of a description? Yes, absolutely. So the the purpose of WE is really to make doing good doable. And working with, yes, over 4 million young people around the world, supporting them in whatever cause they care about, whatever action they want to take to make a difference in the world, really um, equipping them with the tools and resources through the We Schools program, which is a free program that service learning in schools uh, for students and educators. Um, and then through that program, we've heard from students that mental health is really a cause that they care about. So as they you know, continue to annually tell us like what, what causes are most important to them uh, and how we can support them, take action and on various causes. Mental health just continued to rise on the list of, of most important things that young people care about. So in response to that, we uh, started speaking with experts and uh, leaders in mental health promotion and prevention and school-based mental health to, to think about how we can support young people to take action. It's amazing. I just, I, I mean, I love how it all, I, I know a little bit about the origin story about we in general, and it just seems like a, seems like everything has been a nice, beautiful kind of natural evolution from, you know, the very first thoughts of, of what we is today or, or what it was thought to be in, in the past. And it just keeps evolving, right? It's, which is really nice. 
we're constantly hearing from young people and, and, you know, having young people be at the forefront of, of what um, our service-based learning is in schools. Uh, certainly it's, it's amazing just to continuously be inspired by the, this incredible generation truly that's making such a impact and, and will yeah. and continues to change the world. Well, and there's, and there's such an energy as well. I mean, I, I think too, obviously now we've got a bit of a pause on some of these bigger events, but I think of all of the we days and like literally, you know, for anyone listening that hasn't seen these, I encourage you to check out the videos, but full blown, you know, stadiums and arenas uh, full of just high energy, awesome young people and everyone involved in just really great work around the world. Like it just, it goes to show what's possible when as a collective, we all come together and, and, and really push forward on uh, like-minded goals and values. It's really nice. Well, thank you. And and what I love about We Day too is is that young people see that they're not alone, right? Yeah. They're making a difference. And so We Day is part of a year-long We Schools program where we get the opportunity to celebrate young people and they earn their way through service. So by committing to one local and one global action to make a difference on whatever cause it is they care about. Uh, and really it's a, a moment where they join other young people to see that they're not alone in, in making a difference and taking action and, and really be celebrated for the incredible work that they're doing. Love it. So let's talk a little bit about We Wellbeing. Um, and most recently, there's a playbook that has been released. Is, is the actual printed book ready? I know the, the E version is on the website right now. It is. So we, uh, it, is. Okay. It, it is. So it's, um, we've, we've developed a printed resource and an e-version. Amazing. And the, the purpose behind the We Wellbeing playbook is really, we wanted to make, um, taking care of our well-being, our mental well-being and the mental well-being of others as action oriented as, you know, taking care of our physical health. Um, and so we, um, consulted lots of incredible experts and uh, leaders in in various disciplines uh, related to mental health and research uh, to see, well, what are the simple everyday things that we can do to promote not just our own well-being, but the well-being of others as well? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's beautiful. It's a roughly 200 page document with just tons of practical tips and insights into well-being it's um and it really well designed really really great product i'm curious um lisa why why did you start with sleep as one of the main buckets was there a reason for that that's a great question <laughs> i think um when we're thinking of the essentials the basics uh sleep is just so important in our entire overall well-being our entire um functioning, our brain functioning. Uh, and so, you know, I can certainly notice a difference in my mood when I've had a good night's sleep or if I've missed some sleep and, uh, you know, just noticing the, the power of sleep um, in not just our physical, but our, our overall, our mental well-being as well. Yeah. I mean, as we speak, I can, I can relate to that. I, I've actually been uh, I, for probably about a week and a half started a, an elimination diet just to 
do some testing and it's it's messed a little bit with my sleep and I, probably the last three nights except for last night finally I got a good night's sleep but I was oh, off good. by maybe 20 minutes let's say and just those three days of a lack of 20 minutes in in my overall like time in bed or time of sleep it was unbelievable how how like yesterday for example I was walking around feeling like I was in a in a daydream almost and just you know low energy and I couldn't figure out I'm like what is it and then uh, mm -hmm. just thankfully we have so much you know so many great pieces of technology I was able to take a look at a sleep tracking app and like well there it is that's pretty clear <laughs> you know I'm down on, <laughs> on sleep but it's yeah, so it was a bit of a loaded question or a planted question because I personally know how, how beneficial sleep is. And, and the reason I wanted to ask it is I, I'm curious, like when when looking at adults versus young adults, is there a sleep prioritization difference? Uh, have you found that at all in the, in the research or with, when speaking with experts? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think sleep is important at any age, yeah. <laughs> but especially when the brain is still in development, right? When when we're in adolescence and, and young adulthood, um, and I mean, my goodness, from birth, I should say, yeah. um, as the brain develops. Uh, so I think truly essential at, at any age, but but especially when the brain's under construction. Of course. Just I mentioned technology briefly. I'm curious how mm. how do you think technology is well, I mean, either helping or obviously uh, causing issues. We've heard a lot about that, and it's an interesting time given we're we're all isolated and and how mm -hmm. <laughs> technology has almost flipped on the other side of, wow, this is how we're staying connected, but it's still a bit of a dangerous uh, place to be if we're not you know, aware of, of, of some of the consequences. I'm curious just to get mm -hmm. your perspective on technology and well-being in general. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly, you know, you mentioned the, the positive aspect of technology, if we're doing something like tracking our sleep or being, you know, technology is such a powerful tool and it's not going anywhere and it has so much potential to give us valuable information and, and support us in different ways. Um, but then there's also the risk of technology as well. If we're, um, you know, consuming um, a lot of social feed, for example, very passively versus being very active and creating something online, uh, there may be a different, you may notice a different uh, impact on that um, or how it might interrupt our sleep routines if we're yeah. on technology till very late and um you know when when i first uh got a got a cell phone in my 20s if believe it or not um, <laughs> i remember you know it just it 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 can like keep you up late so so really putting um thoughtful uh kind of guidelines around our technology use to not interrupt our our other well-being practices like sleep have you seen any anything that works well especially for young adults that i mean obviously technology is part of uh, ours and their their life um mm -hmm. but there's you know it, i guess where i'm going with this is how do you how do you get the message across and and help allow people to be a little bit more self-aware of their technology if 
they don't see it as a problem. So yes, great question. And I think um, there's two young activists, uh, Tegan and Keisha Simpson, who started this amazing uh, online platform called Live Life Unfiltered. And there, this is sort of a, a really specific area of technology use, but they noticed in their consumption of technology, like this actually, when we're um, on social media, like this can impact our self-esteem, this can impact our um our body image. Uh, so what they created is a whole, um, a whole network of young people who are living life unfiltered. So being very authentic online, not, uh, sort of constructing their, um, online images and, and profiles, but really trying to be as authentic as possible online to be, to be, more real, right? Knowing that what we see online may not be real, um, but but taking action to really be authentic in their online presence as well, and and how that can promote body positivity and and self esteem and um, just more authentic connections as well. Yeah, of course. So it's live life unfiltered. I'll I'll take a look. Live life unfiltered. Yes, okay. the Simpson sisters. They're phenomenal. I will link to that in the show notes. Awesome. When when writing the book or, or or working on the project, was there was there any big surprises for you personally on you know whether they be insights or new things for you to personally try? I think you know I I really find the area of um, uh, nutrition and the brain and sort of the connection between the brain and and our and the gut so fascinating and you know one of one of uh, our colleagues who we were um, consulting with on this section around nutrition um, reminded me that this is actually not a new area I mean she studied in in South Africa um, nutrition within the psychiatry department uh, many many years ago so it's I think it's it's interesting that um, I think it's called uh, maybe even nutritional psychology or psychiatry, or there's okay. a, a division of psychiatry now that really focuses on the area of um, the role of nutrition in mental health um, and even in treating mental health issues. Uh, but this is um, such value. I, I found that area of science so fascinating and not just the new science, but the the science that has been known for so long about that. Totally. Well, and it, it reminds me of, I mean, if you just think of mindfulness type practices in general, it, you know, it's not like we're inventing these. They've been around for thousands of years. It's just, now there's, yes. I think the narrative has, has changed, which is fantastic. But I see this with nutrition as well, especially from the preventative side of things that how important, you know, we're, we're, tip, we're essentially either fueling our body or fueling disease. And in one way based on what we're putting in our mouth. I would love to, if, if you, if you're willing to go a little bit deeper on what you've, what you learned in that topic, because I think it's so important, especially now as we're really out of routines and, you know, their emotions are, are running all over the place. And that's a, that's usually a ground to being a little bit more susceptible to poor eating habits or lack of exercise, mm -hmm. things like that. Is there anything um, you can share just from what you learned on that topic? Yes, absolutely. So I think, so my, I, I have to 
preface this by saying my my nutritional needs are a little bit different right now because I am pregnant. You're growing a human, but yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I but but really how important it is to eat regularly. Uh and um even you know, even before I was pregnant, really trying to eat every every three to five hours, um, I feel at my best. Um, so I think, um, you know, there's different things work for different people and understanding yeah. your body and, and sort of experimenting and taking the most um, uh, evidence informed approach to, to your diet and and nutrition. Um, but I think interesting that we don't store protein. So getting protein at every meal, uh, I thought was fascinating. Um, and then really, you know, having a very well balanced and, um, eating lots of variety. So having like a very colorful diet and <laughs> having, yeah. you know, really, um, as many fruits and veggies and, and such a variety and, and, not just that, but like the fun foods. I love the, the idea that, um, you know, 80% we're eating for, for health and, and 20% is soul food too. So really um, well-balanced in our approach. Amazing. Um, on the topic of the book, there's also a podcast that just released, uh, by the time this is out, it'll probably be maybe a month or so that it's been out. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's it's hosted by uh, a fairly recognizable person in our country, at least in Canada, the, the wife to the prime minister. So uh, no shortage of um, publicity on that front. Congrats for, for getting Sophie on board. And I know she's a, a big activist in uh, well-being and the youth and everything. So it's it's wonderful to see that. But how did it all come about? Well, that was, we, first of all, we are so grateful to have, um, Madam Sophie Gregoire Trudeau as a, an ally and ambassador for We Wellbeing and the host of the podcast. And the, the goal and the purpose, um, of We Wellbeing is not just to do the, you know, the, the deep learning in schools, but also to spark public conversation and dialogue and, um, and reduce stigma and, and really, um, Kind of have these open, honest uh, conversations about mental health and well-being, yeah. uh, and so who better to really um, uh, to to host that than than Madame Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, who is such a mental health advocate, and and so we were very lucky to have some incredible Canadians um, and uh, you know influencers and and folks who have just lived extraordinary lives speak about their personal stories and you know how they take care of themselves challenges that they've um come come through in their life and how we can all learn from that and and so really to to break down stigma and um to spark more conversations about mental well-being well, yeah, and she—I mean, she's fantastic as as a host, and and so are you, by the way. I, I know you're very humble, but you're awesome on that show as well. And I think you know what really struck me as as just a really great positive to having this content out there is just is again to humanize the other people on the other side. Like, um, you know, a lot of the the people, or at least the episode I listened to, you, you're you're talking to Olympic athletes that on the on the outside or on the surface are 
almost seen as untouchable, right, from a, a health perspective. But mm. it's it's really nice to show, kind of going full circle to what you mentioned about uh, the we days, that like we're not alone, right, in these mm-hmm. in our emotions, and that we're all having to process that and live everyday life. So it just it provides a really beautiful mm-hmm. narrative and perspective, I think, for uh, for people listening. Well, thank you. And and the other goal with the podcast was to really bring uh, some of the science and the uh, mental health uh, experts from, you know, leading researchers or, or clinicians to talk about some of the science and, and how, you know, the topics that come up uh, can be applied to our, our daily life through kind of evidence informed actions. Uh, so that was a really fun um, learning for us as well, uh, hearing from, you know, a variety of folks in uh, experts in their respective fields. Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, many more episodes. It's, it's a really exciting Thank show you. and well needed in, in the podcast realm. Hey, it's Mark. Just want to take a few seconds to first thank you for listening and offer a free one-on-one 30-minute virtual mental fitness coaching session with me. Okay, so what's the catch? It's literally three minutes of your time to provide a review of the show. They are so important. So the first three people to screenshot the review and DM me or tag behind the human on Instagram will get a message back from me to set up a time for a session. Thank you so much. And back to the show. I do want to ask, uh, Lisa, you know, when it comes to your own practices now, as we speak, you know, how have, how have those practices evolved since um, your, your times in in clinical study or when you were, I guess, in, in Harlem, uh, starting things off. So one thing that I, I thought, so, so, you know, like anything, uh, it's always evolving. Uh, and, um, before having my son Hilson, I really thought, uh, it might be hard to have a, a regular practice, a regular, you know, daily mindfulness practice, after I have a baby. Um, and so that was sort of a thought I I was having before, um, growing our family. And what I've really noticed is he, kids are just such incredible teachers of being present and being in the moment. And so those, those thoughts were short lived. Um, but, um, really the, the amount of, of, um, opportunities for practice that um, being around children brings to our lives uh, was such a just a, a wonder to behold <laughs> yeah I can relate um, to that <laughs> yeah yeah and, it's forced and so yeah it truly truly yes um, but just their curiosity and um, you know exploration of of everything because it is it is new and so seeing um, the world through those like that beginners um, through like a childlike wonder childlike uh, mind uh, is was such a wonderful learning for me amazing so do you have any just to get practical here because I, I know the mm-hmm. audience on this show they um, they do enjoy you know trying to find different things or understanding a little bit maybe how your routine might be set up because mm-hmm. then it, it just makes things Every, like you said, everyone is so different. And I, I truly believe that you, 
you know, you cannot prescribe uh, mindfulness type or reflective practices, but you can pick and choose and, and fit mm-hmm. things in, obviously, to what works for you. So the more mm-hmm. examples, the better. Yeah. Yeah. So I like both formal and informal practice. So certainly okay. formal practice where, uh, you know, I take some time and uh, either listen to a guided meditation or do a self-guided meditation, um, sitting or lying down, uh, I find very helpful. Um, and then, you know, I used to like to really do that at the beginning of the day. And that has sort of gone through ebbs and flows in my life where um, sometimes the end of the day or, or both, <laughs> sure. depending on, on the kind of day. Um, or if, if it's before something that's, you know, maybe I'm about to have um, a really important conversation with someone and I really want to take a moment, you know, do a shorter practice to, to really ground and um, as best I can become clear on my intention and, and going into the conversation um, and, and just really, you know, letting go of whatever's come before or what's going to happen yeah. after and, and bring my presence to that particular conversation. Um, or, uh, right now being pregnant, I find mindful movement practice very, very wonderful. So, yeah. um, and, and I think we can all relate to this right now as we sit at computers quite a bit and, um, you know, sometimes, uh, in front of screens, if that's part of our work. Uh, so being able to kind of bring some awareness to our bodies as we're sitting, you know, are we, are we slouched over or are we sitting comfortably or are we holding tension in the body? Uh, so really, um, that body awareness and movement, uh, is so, so important. Um, and I find very helpful as well right now. Yeah. Is there, what, what's worked for you to essentially remind yourself to pay attention to these things or get up and move? Cause I find, you know, that's even, even for myself, uh, that's typically not been a problem, but I, I, it has been a problem now working from home. I, I have started to notice, man, I've been really sitting down a lot more than, than normal. Um, so mm-hmm. if, if you've found everything, anything that's worked other than uh, a, a child kicking you in the stomach, inside the stomach <laughs> is there anything else? <laughs> yes, that's a little less of a subtle reminder, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think it's also just, um, it's a practice, right? So I think um, that practice, I find my practice has taken a while to to become a practice, you know, so to yeah, become regular and and become more routine and and so i think the the informal aspects of of mindfulness as well where we can um, bring some awareness to our our daily activities whether it's right now washing our hands or even you know as we eat our meal or or different informal practices i think um also have such value um and then as we you know I think ways to remind ourselves too, you know, from sticky notes to setting um, timers or, or just putting it into, into routine or into schedule sometimes helps that, um, that reminder kind of be regular. Um, And then I think as that, I find, I found personally as my practice um, became more regular, then 
just a simple moment of just checking in and, and noticing the body, you know, in whatever activity, whether it's sitting at a computer or, um, you know, playing and, and, and enjoying the, the movement or play, play with my son, um, or, um, you know, just taking, taking that brief moment to, to check in and notice, okay, actually, how am I yeah. sitting here? Um, so they can be as, it can be such a short, a short moment that brings some attention and, and information and, and, you know, a, a response to, okay, maybe I need to like stretch a little bit here <laughs> or take oh. care to sit in a different way. Well, and I think that's all it is, is that, it, you know, it doesn't have to be these big daunting shifts or practices. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's the, it's these micro moments of reflection that over time and as they add up, uh, add up to really big things. Right. And it's, you can say the th- same thing about habit formation and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, slowly being aware. And I, and I love the idea. No one's really brought up um, the idea of informal practices or informal um, mindfulness practices on the show. And that's, that's so powerful. It's uh, and in a way, I mean, that like that's what we're surrounded with the majority of the time as well so mm-hmm. i love that idea of just um you know pay attention you know paying attention when you're you're washing your hands or i know mindful eating is something like that as well that just really you know dive into the experience of of eating um and things like that it's awesome mm-hmm. how do you lisa how do you think in the sense of do you take time to like how do you process um thoughts or emotions that like you do any type of journaling uh, whether that's kind of the the stereotypical pen to paper definition or just taking time to reflect on questions yes uh so i do i do love to journal i love to write i love to um record especially moments um you know milestone moments or, or just small moments um mm-hmm. of our our child's growth and um and then I think it's also really helpful if if something's coming up that is bringing up really strong emotions for me, um, and I just um, want to work through that. Then I think journaling is such a, a, a wonderful and helpful thing to to be able to do to to process thoughts and and emotions. Um, and then I think one thing that I, I love with the mindfulness based cognitive therapy program is. Um, really raising the idea that our, our thoughts are not facts, right? Yeah. We we have uh, thousands and thousands of thoughts a day, and and ninety five percent of them are are the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just the nature of the mind is um, we are we are meaning makers, we are we are thinkers, which is um, incredible. Uh, but also, uh, you know, seeing clearly of the the um, um, the truth behind some of the, our thoughts, um, or, or not. And, and how, I mean, I've, I've noticed in my life too, when I'm very tired, um, a thought may be more charged with emotion or, um, feel more true when it's charged with emotion, um, versus, you know, if I'm well rested, then I can gain a little perspective more easily and, and notice, okay, that's, that's just a thought. (laughs) Yeah. A little less triggered. Yeah, I like I like to think of us as uh, we're all like expert level storytellers or movie producers, yes. right? The 
the amount of narratives running through our minds uh in in kind of to your point that are probably 90 plus percent just completely made up and will never come to fruition is it always blows my mind personally Mm -hmm. um, so yeah i mean that's the thing i like about the way you you guys uh laid out the the book and and just the work in general that you're involved with is there's just so many there's so many little tools um, from sleep to, you know, just being hydrated, right, to just chip away at these things so that uh, we can catch ourselves in these narratives and slow down and pause it and, and just, you know, acknowledge it, let it go, what, like whatever needs to be done. But mm-hmm. when you can't see it and, and your mind is fogged for whatever reason, it's, it's hard to take any type of action, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I find just back to your question about journaling too. And when you write things down, it, I think it just really helps to, to um, solidify certain things, like whether that's an intention or a goal or, you know, an, an activity, you know, when we use our, our, our schedules or our day planners, <laughs> same, yeah. a similar mm-hmm. idea, but, but really writing something down, I think makes it more, um, uh, it just solidifies it a little bit as well. Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely agree on that. Uh, just on the well, on that topic, essentially, I, I would love to get some of your reflective questions or any questions that even may come to mind now as we're speaking. That again, whether you've you whether you write these down and journal on them, or <clears throat> excuse me, they're just questions that come up that are helpful for your own self reflection. Do you have any that come to mind? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm always curious about is a question that I love to reflect on is just what is one small thing uh, that I'm intentionally doing to promote my own well-being? And and another one is what is a small thing that I'm doing to promote the well-being of others around me? Uh, I'm being intentional about that as well. Um, and then another question I love to reflect on is um, what is bringing me joy right now? Mm-hmm. Um, what is very meaningful to me right now. And, um, you know, whether it's uh, bringing up some gratitude for someone around me that I can share with them and um, words or, or a letter or a, or a call or an email. Um, but so often that brings some, some great insights as well. Love it. These are great, really great questions. And, you know, I really want to thank you, Lisa, for taking some time to have this conversation, but even more so for you just dedicating so much of your time and effort to help others. I mean, I, I'm not surprised with that second prompt that you left because so much of your work is, is really involved or, or revolves around helping so many people around the world. So thank you for that dedication and that devotion. It's, uh, it's a very beautiful thing. Oh, truly, truly a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for uh, the opportunity to have a conversation today. 